ladies and gentlemen, hear them pour. It's the Beer Geeks Radio Hour on WILK. Uh, I just love taking that in every week, kind of the relaxing sounds of Gaslight Anthem. <laughs> All right, so we are back here. <laughs> okay. I don't know. I was, I was actually distracted as I'm trying to pull everything up on the computer, and that's what came to my feeble mind. Uh, so, yeah, we're back here this week and taking a look at a phenomenal brewery. We are back on the brewery kick, and this is actually one that George and I went out to last week, which is a real fun thing. We got to go down for their Hoppy Halloween. We have Broken Goblet Brewing from Bristol, Pennsylvania. We're going to be talking to the owner, Mike Lacator, later, and uh, really getting into a lot of cool things. A really nice up-and-coming brewery from Pennsylvania, which is always good to support the, you know, we'll call them local. I mean, they're, what, two hours and 15 minutes from here or something yeah. about that? That's easy, local. An easy drive. That's local. Uh, so, I mean, a really cool brewery, really cool things going on. The festival we went down to had a lot of fun last week, had a lot of breweries down there, and we actually got to have some really cool beers, too, including some Russian River and some kind of hidden gems they had down there, I guess we'll call them that. But it was a good time. Uh, before we get into anything, though, I want to get into a little bit of beer news. Uh, now, we mentioned it on here before when it all started happening that uh, Blue Moon was being sued by someone who was basically going after them, saying that they are marketing themselves as a craft beer because of the phrase artfully crafted used. And uh, they were suing basically on false advertisement uh, with a few other things. I don't know if he was going after, uh, you know... (laughs) And, uh, damages or anything like that, but uh, he was going after them for that because if you know if you're unaware, they are marketed and brewed by Miller Coors. Uh, it was by pretty much kind of thrown out and dismissed this week, but in doing so, what wound up happening, uh, the judge basically made it now, it's a real weird kind of landscape that, that's now in the fallout from this, which basically says that the craft beer is kind of now more of a marketing term, so it, it brewery, a large brewery can create, you know, we're used to seeing some of the, you know, the Shock Top, Land Shark, Blue Moon, blah, blah, blah. Breweries can create these other breweries as a different name and kind of market it as that and without having to slap their name on it. So it's kind of now buyer beware. I thought it, I, I actually, I'm not surprised it was thrown out, but at the same time, I kind of, I was because it, it technically it's it has merit, but the fact is, if you're that into beer, you would know. So that's yeah. probably why it was just thrown out that way. Because even though it should, they aren't, and they tried to slip in through that door. Anybody who knows anything new, so yeah. the, I'm sure the guy who did it knew. It just oh yeah, there's there's you know. it really. You know, this they're making it like there's this fallout from it and all these things are going to happen. But really, at the end of the day, breweries have been doing this for quite some time, large breweries. So it's not going to really change anything. And it always really does fall down. I mean, we've had rulings after rulings over the years of buyer beware. I mean, that's the, just how it all works. It's everything in life. There's always that person that try to classify their thing yeah. as something that it's not and then trick people into if, it. If it wasn't for being able to do that, we would not have any late night infomercials. Yeah. <laughs> And then the world would be craptastic hey, without well, those. I don't know. What would I watch if I'm up at three in the morning? You know, yeah. Three Stooges reruns, maybe. Yeah. I need a knife that'll cut a bowling ball. That's all I know. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, that that's really the fallout from this. That's what more surprised me was that it wasn't just outright dismissed on it. It, it kind of did open up a little things on what his kind of ruling was from it. It did kind of open that floodgate up a little bit more. So, basically, uh, you know, to me, it's as long as it's still good, 
that's all I really care about. But still good. Like I understand you want to drink local, you want to support the local breweries, and and you know support craft beer, and you should absolutely. But there are things that have come along, like buyouts that have happened, and the beers some by some of these buyouts that have happened that are now technically macro beers are still good. It doesn't completely, if it ruined them, move on. Yeah, I mean, if Schlitz came out with a fantastic, awesome beer that was made well. You mean Schlitz? Schlitz, <laughs> yes. Um, I, I would like it, and there, it, why couldn't it be a craft beer if it was made well, even though it's from, like, I don't even know if Schlitz exists. I'm just trying to be funny. But, um, like, yeah, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it can't be craft beer if they make it. It's almost like that thing, like, w- w- the definition yeah. of how it's made is not, just because they're huge doesn't mean it can't be craft beer. It's it's become a, uh, you know, like, we go to the grocery store now, how many things are labeled all natural? Yeah. Well, I mean, that's a really open term. Yeah. And I mean, that's kind of where this is starting to go, and that's where it's kind of muddying the waters a little bit. That was the one disgusting thing, right? It was all natural, and then, like, the vanilla flavoring comes from the butt of, like, some oh, kind yeah. of when animal you, food. Oh, yeah, yeah, so that, technically it's all natural because yeah. it's coming from the butt. When, when you something. get into some of the why it's still all natural, <laughs> that does you know, I'd rather have chemically and <laughs> yeah, yeah. some of this stuff. MSG is fantastic. That's <laughs> well, I mean, that was the big topic I wanted to cover. I mean, of course, there were no buyouts again this week, another another uh, week of quiet on, on the home front. Uh, but uh, there are some new beers I want to cover. Uh, new Belgium has a Citradelic Tangerine IPA that's going to be getting bottled now, so we'll see how that one comes. Uh, Terrapin announced their Tiramisu Who is going to be coming out, which if you ever had any of their, their big ones like that, like French Toast Wake and Bake, Man, like, they, oh, they're they, so good. They, they're they're those names they come up with, man, they're 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 up there with uh, some they work. pretty wacky names. Yeah, I mean, I like the, the beers are phenomenal. Wake and Bake just get, uh, started hitting shelves again for this year, and I, I absolutely adore that stout. That's uh, led to some rough mornings. And uh, Bell's actually this this year announced that they are going to be putting out hop slam and mini kegs. So oh, they're yeah, yeah, they're going to yeah. be doing cans and mini kegs of hop slam. So that'll be a good one to go. I'm sure that'll be a pretty quick one because hop slam is always much uh, much sought after every year. All right, so let's get into some of these beers now. We have, this is from Broken Goblet. Uh, I just said they're from Bristol, Pennsylvania. Was that a bad drum roll? Yeah. <laughs> no, I dropped my phone. Oh, I thought you were trying, I thought you had a drum roll, but it was just two bitters on the desk. Uh, they're from Pr- Bristol, Pennsylvania. Uh, this first one we're doing, this is a cream ale, just a really light cream ale. Uh, uh, Steinbeiser's Buried Treasure, if we're going by the German pronunciation. Uh, but it's, it's just called Berry Treasure if you want, if that's a lot easier. Uh, but this is a cream ale, 5.5%. The one thing I will say, like just having the first couple of sips, it's a little hoppier than most cream ales we get. There's a little more of a hop presence than, than other ones. Yeah, it's not a traditional cream ale by any mm. sense of the word, word but um, it, it is creamy. And yeah. It is an ale. How about yeah. that for a definition? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's really good. It's just like that's, you know, most of the cream ales are getting on. It's also a little higher. I mean, most of the cream ales that we've had on here are tend to be lower than 5%. So being at 5.5%, a little bit more of a, a body to it, a little more beef in there. Mm. Tasted like it pairs well with things. <laughs> <laughs> Tasted like it pairs well with things. Well, what, what were you saying reading beforehand? Yeah, I, I was on the, the site kind of going through, just kind of wanted to find ABVs and everything. And uh, they have on there pairs well with salmon, grilled chicken, and a pickaxe. Yeah. So I don't know if that uh, is promoting murder <laughs> or if that is if you you know are tough as nails and you want to eat a pickaxe either way uh, but no it's a, it's just a super easy drinking it, you get a little bit of notes of corn in there as well just like kind of like those adjuncts that are used in a lot of uh, cream ales but really super easy 
drinking and just kind of showcasing like where this is going to go. Like, as I said, it's a great way to start it off because we're going to have a couple other ones coming up that are uh, a little more hefty and everything. But just like a really nice, easy drinking cream ale. That's what I love. And, you know, we, we what one did we have last week when we were down there, George? And we from from Broken Goblin. Wasn't it a uh, Bubba's tea bag? Oh, that's we had Bubba's tea bag. We're gonna be having that one a little bit. Um, but they had like a they had a lot of great beers down there. But it was fun at the festival too. It's like a really cool layout. Like where it was, they're kind of in this like industrial park area, and um, the whole parking lot was taken over. They had all like a lot of local breweries were down in that region and everything. So it was very local, and uh, there's a lot of really cool things and be able to try a lot of their beers. And they, and George, you were actually at the brewery before. I never we didn't get I didn't get to go in when we went there. Oh yeah, it's a great time. Uh, we went there a couple weeks ago. Uh, me and my friend did a uh, all day trip. I think we started at Kane and then worked our oh. way down. Uh, we had Spellbound. We had Nesh Creek. We stopped at Broken Goblet. I think George is where, uh, Kane is where George goes to kind of repower himself every yeah. once in a while. I do. It's, definitely plugs in. It's there. my home away from home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're going to be going out there next week because we have Kane on the show next week. Actually, we have Michael Kane back. Uh, if you remember a few months ago on our other home station, we uh, attempted to have Michael on, and that that just. The uh, phone dialing it just did not work out, which was awful. <laughs> but the beers were fantastic, so I'm really looking forward to having them back because they have incredible, incredible beers. And these guys are relatively new brewery, right? They're yeah, around all that. Yeah, long. 2013. So they, they, I was going to get into that with them, like it, but they're yeah, they're a new brewery, um, and they they're, seem like they're going after it pretty aggressively. They're not uh, you know really holding back, and it's actually a, a partner group, which is really cool to see because a lot of times you know most of the breweries we've had on here, it's this you know guy with a dream and just kind of you know going to do whatever he needs to do but it's like getting, getting a partner group is a lot better in a business sense all around is much better and much safer because you could have people kind of specializing in different things so that you're not feeling the weight of everything upon you as you're doing this because i mean you know we've talked about before it's opening a brewery which is awesome you're making like really good beers and everybody loves that but then once you start asking them to pay for it that changes <laughs> well not just that when you have a, a multiple group ownership or partnership or whatever you want to call it you can always bounce ideas off yeah. off each other a lot of times you can get a little bit myopic have blinders on when you're a brewer and my stuff is awesome or or you just focus on one style and if you have multiple people come from multiple different angles you can get a lot more uh, you can elevate quicker I guess yeah. you would say yeah and you're not just because that's the other thing it's like you know when you're giving this home brew to people People that are friends and family, like they're not always honest. Like no. that, that's that's the thing that's tough as you're getting into this, and it's not not in a mean way. Like they're not gonna, you know, I don't know. They're not gonna completely candy coat it, but at the same time, they're they're not gonna really tell you if it's really bad. Yeah. I think if it came to a point where you are like, and this is the sad thing, if it came to a point where you're now putting it out to the public, they would then probably tell you that it's not good. Yeah, but it, which is kind of awful. Like, you could have prevented me from doing yeah. this. <laughs> nice to know that before you go public. Yeah, and yeah. like that—that's kind of uh, some of the issue with that. But, but you know, if you have more people around, like you're already Im- immediately bouncing those ideas as it's coming right out before you even start giving it to other people. So it kind of helps you really grow and be able to start dialing it in because you know, as as a home brewer, you might have in in your mind exactly what you want this to taste like, and you might be giving it to friends that aren't as into this or or, or aren't as knowledgeable about these things. So they might not notice that that's not like you might be telling them this is what I was going for. Well, you know, we're stupid people. Like all of us are stupid. You're starting to tell me, oh, I wanted it to have notes of peaches and pine. But well, now all of a sudden that's what I'm tasting. Yeah. Even if I didn't. And then there, and there are a lot of like macro beers, like for example, like uh, Rolling Rock. They purposely um, go with DMS and a lot of their beers, and they get off flavors on purpose. So if you're brewing something and everybody's drinking it and they like it, you might not get that kind of outside perspective as whether it's made well or not because 
that's what they expect the beer to taste like. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that's really what it comes down to is like we, you know, as you go through all these studies and all these things that have gone through over the years, like we as people, like just the slightest suggestion of things, which is a funny thing. I mean, we see that a lot in craft beer, especially because there's a lot of beers that are touted as being, you know, the greatest thing ever. But it, it really a lot of it comes down to scarcity. Yeah. And then other people telling you that it's good. So you go into that with that thought, and no matter what it tastes like, well, I'm, I don't want to be the odd person out and say it's awful. Or you have the opposite end, and the guy that doesn't want to like anything anybody else likes will just say, <laughs> oh, it sucks, it's awful. Yeah. But that's a totally different <laughs> mindset. Yes. But, I mean, that that's really what a lot of it comes down to is just that you're going on what other people are saying, and you either don't want to be the odd man out or you are very strongly it's, the odd man out. It's the, uh, what is it, the... Um I forget what it is. There's a great book out there. I forget the name. And basically what it is is um, it's the drive me insane. I can't remember. It's basically a lot of people put a lot of... of, you're talking about like tipping point, like Gladwell, Malcolm Gladwell. No, stuff? it was uh, it was the theory. It was the theory of crowds, or the law of crowds, is what it's called. And it's like a lot of people are so influenced by groups, not mm. necessarily popularity. Even. Yeah, it's just that they can but be the influenced group think, by the that, group that whole, think. Yeah. So it's like it's sometimes you need to get away from that. And then when you have a bunch of different people, a bunch of different, you know, personalities in a brewery that have equal say, that can be a good thing. Can suck sometimes when you have a little bit of clashing, but that can also be a good thing. Yeah, too. and then that's really what pushes a lot of it forward because if you just have someone continually, you know, blowing the old proverbial smoke up there on you, yeah. it, you know, you, at some point you're going to have to release that to somebody else. And if, cause that's what I was saying. Once you put in that fact of like, all right, now I'm asking someone to plop down money for this. Well, now all of a sudden expectations go up a little bit more because yeah. like, it's free. Oh, it's great. I don't care. Like, and you see that, we see that with friends all the time when we give them stuff, like everyone loves it. But then it's like, oh, well, how about we split the, well, I don't like it that much. Yeah. <laughs> it just like completely changes. And that's just, you know, a lot of what that is. And that'll really quickly break that group think. But when you're growing as a business and you're working with one another, like, you want to have that before that part comes in that you're not embarrassing yourself, I guess is the best way of putting it. You're not putting something out that's subpar that could have been prevented beforehand if you got out of your own way or you had someone else there that wasn't afraid to tell you, hey, I think XYZ should be switched up a little bit and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. That, that's the good thing about going into this with a, a group prior to instead of just the lone wolf going at it, you know, rising from the ashes of their garage <laughs> and, and all these other things. And, you know, that's like a, a recurring story, especially for some of these, you know, I guess legend brands in the craft beer industry, yeah. like Lagunitas and, and Sierra Nevada and Boston by a beer company, like Sam Adams, all these like, breweries that really started from one person's vision, starting as a home brewer and then just really growing, which, you know, we as Americans love that stuff. Yeah. But there is something to be said about going at it with a group and having that ability beforehand. Yeah, it's the classic thing. There's two. There's not. There's more than two ways to get to the, to where you want to go. You know, you can have a singular entity grow into a great brewery. You can have a you know a community of friends come together and do the same thing. It's it, neither are right nor wrong. They're both yeah. equal. Yeah, it just, it just really is. What do you want? as perspective prior to doing this because some people don't work well in a group and that's why the lone wolf thing has to work for them (laughs) because if they bring people in it will just lead to constant fighting and they'll wind up tossing them out anyway somehow so you kind of have to know your strengths and weaknesses going into doing these things you know and brewing beer is a business and there's a lot to take in with it and it's an interesting business Um, like we talked about earlier this week like it's interesting business in you know most times when you're doing stuff you can copyright or have some protection of what you are creating 
in brewing beer, you don't have that. Like what you're making, you don't have the copyright on. It's the naming and things like that that you protect yourself with. So it's a really interesting business that causes you to have to look at it from a couple of different angles to be able to fully grasp what's going on. It's not the same thing as I'm going to go, I don't know, make widgets. That makes me think of, yeah. I don't know. But, but, <laughs> I don't know why my brain's so weak today. But you're not going to go and just make product A and put it out there and then that's how it goes. Like You have to have a little more protection and watch what you're doing. And especially in this industry where we're starting to see more lawsuits because that'll be the other thing we're going to be talking about, I'm sure, in the news coming up is lawsuits and buyouts. That's the, the two main things that dom- dominate this industry yeah, it's, now. It's like music. You can't you can't copyright the the sound mm-hmm. a guitar makes, but the, you company that with a bunch of different sounds yeah. together, you can copyright and that's the name and yeah. that's, the, that's the song. All right. We're going to take a break and when we get back, we're going to be joined by Mike LaCouture, the, uh, own, one of the owners of Broken Goblet Brewing. So stay tuned here on WILK with the Beer Geeks. Be right back. Have you been searching for the perfect engagement ring or an exquisite gift for a special occasion? Rainbow Jewelers is where you'll find it. Rainbow Jewelers, consistently voted the number one jeweler in the Wyoming Valley, has a large selection of GIA and EGL certified diamonds, engagement rings, necklaces, bracelets, and earrings. Rainbow Jewelers also has wedding bands, birthstone jewelry, mother's rings, all high quality at the best price. Plus, they sell citizen brand watches and offer jewelry repairs. Rainbow Jewelers, 789 Wyoming Avenue, Kingston. Open Tuesday through Saturday. Men, if you're like me, you appreciate the feeling of a clean, smooth shave from a quality blade. The sort of shave that cuts clean without the burn. So why are you messing around with generic razors that cost 32 bucks for an 8-pack when you can shave with Harry's high-quality German-engineered blades for half the price? And if saving money and a clean shave isn't incentive enough, Harry's will give you their starter set, complete with a razor, Three of their world-famous blades and shaving cream for just 15 bucks. And shipping is always free. We'll also give you 5 bucks off your first order. Our way of saying thank you for trying us. How are we able to save you all this money and still give you the best shave you'll ever enjoy? By owning the factory that manufactures them. That's how. So go to harrys.com right now and enter code 8800 at checkout. That's harrys.com, code 8800. This is a life-changing message for anyone with sleep apnea who is on the go and tired of dragging around a big, bulky home CPAP device. DirectHomeMedical.com now offers a portable device that's as small as a soda can and weighs less than a pound. For even more freedom, you can add a battery that's as tiny as a deck of cards. It's called the Transcend Mini CPAP. And right now, you can try it risk-free for 10 days by calling 1-800-500-2186. Transcend is the world's first portable mini CPAP device. It gives you the freedom to sleep in total comfort anywhere you are. Our smallest and most advanced portable design ever. Transcend is so small and so light, you can fit it in your briefcase or purse to use anywhere you go. It's FAA compliant, too, so you can even sleep comfortably while flying. Enjoy the freedom to sleep comfortably anywhere. Call directhomemedical.com now for your 10-day at-home trial. 1-800-500-2186. That's 1-800-500-2186. If you're looking to get cash for your broken and unwanted jewelry, go to a reputable jeweler who's been in business for a long time, not one that appeared because the price of gold went up. Bring your broken and unwanted jewelry to Rainbow Jewelers. They're professionals and deal directly with the refiner. Rainbow Jewelers will tell you what your gold's really worth and pay you what it's really worth. Rainbow Jewelers, 789 Wyoming Avenue, Kingston. Open Tuesday through Saturday. 
This is WILK, powered by Sherwood Chevrolet in Tunkhannock, PA. Stop by Sherwood to view full lines of Buick, GMC, and Chevrolet. with some more beer. I'm going to get some satisfaction today. That's all I know. <laughs> That's what we're getting right now. Instant. Instant gratification. That's what our, our generation is known <laughs> for, right? Wanting instant gratification. So uh, we are now joined on the phone by Broken blah, blah, Broken Goblet Brewing. I don't know why. That's a tongue twister for me. Uh, owner, or co-owner, Mike LaCartor. Mike is going to be calling us in. I think he's on in Florida. Yeah. Mike, how are you doing, bud? I'm doing fine, gentlemen. How are you? Oh, we are lovely having some good beer. You're, you're down in Florida, correct? Is that where you're calling in from? I am. Well, you know, the brewery's based in Pennsylvania. Yeah. I am on a family, much-needed family vacation uh, down here in uh, Disney World. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, I appreciate you giving us a call even though you're down there with the fam. Good old My Disney. My pleasure. So uh, we've, we've been uh, cracking through. We had some of the cream ale already, which was very phenomenal, very good, very easy drinking. And we, uh, we're getting Thank the bu- Bubba's tea bags. We'll talk about that one in a little bit. But I kind of want to take a little step back. Now, when did the brewery first open? We opened July of 2014. Wow, 2014. Okay. So now how long in the process was it leading up to the opening for you guys? Um, I, I guess it depends on where you start the story. So, uh, it, you know, I think that for, for people listening that may have aspirations to do this, yeah, you know, it, it takes a good it takes a good eighteen months to two years, I think, to really mm-hmm. put something in place, have the proper branding, um, you know, ready to go, get all your ducks in a row, uh, and then you have to deal with licensure. Every state's different, of course, but your licensure and you know how, what type of establishment are you going to have, uh, depending on what state it's in, that d- d- uh, dictates what type of establishment you may be able to or not be able to run. Um, and then if you're looking to distribute right away, you need to get your, your keg collars approved. You need to get your formulas approved. So there's a lot of um, red tape that if you get it done way ahead of time, you can be up and running right out of the gate. Uh, and I think that's something that people underestimate when they think that they have the chops to open up a brewery. So I think two years is, is, just, is, a, is a good amount of time to say you're going to open up and be ready to fly out the gate uh, with whatever you want to do. Yeah, that, that's something we definitely have heard repeated numerous times is uh, one is also whatever you think you're going to need financially, at least double it before Correct. you get going. So, I mean, that, those are the two main things that people kind of get uh, stuck in with the chokehold. So now, what was the inspiration for the name? Well, um, that goes back to the how long, how long far back in the story do you want to start? But the, the, the Cliff Notes version is that this was actually not the first name the first name uh, was sort of agreed upon. Uh, every, all, you know, merchandise purchased, growlers etched, uh, website, everything out into the public uh, as a as a club, just sort of test the waters with the beer. And then we got into a trademark dispute with a large large West Coast brewery. So uh, even though we had the rights to the trademark, they had the rights to what's called common common law usage of one of the words that we were using and they had a lot more money than we did so we ultimately had to abandon the trademark um which i don't to this day know whether they picked it up or not but uh they probably should have but they they we abandoned it and when we abandoned it um i decided to tell the other three owners on a night um well, you know, we, you make this, you make some bad decisions, and, and sometimes you think, well, when we're drinking, it's going to be an easier time to break. <laughs> somebody. So we were drinking uh, at the time. We were we were 
deep into a growler of Dogfish Head Worldwide Stout, which is anywhere, oh, you know, God. 16% <laughs> and up. And uh, we were pretty deep into it. And one of the owners, Joe, used to carry this big prop goblet around, probably 30, 32-ounce, you know, chalice. And it was sat about 18 inches tall. And it had a sticker on it from the original logo. So when I told everybody, you know, look, we're actually going to have to abandon this trademark and, and the financial implications of that, he literally just threw the, the thing on the ground, like, in a drunken rage. <laughs> only thing that stayed, the only thing that stayed, you know, in one piece was the glass underneath the sticker. So we have this picture. I had this, I took a picture of it, of this pile of glass that we swept up and then the sticker sitting on top of it. Uh, you know, and, and we saved it in the phone and then we, you know, we, we progressed with drinking that night. Um, and then, you know, the next couple months we spent trying to come up with a new name because, you know, to your first question about how long does it take to get things set up, you know, if you want to, if you want to get your, your notice, you need to have a name, a location, you know, you have to have all this stuff in place. So we were now in a, in a pretty bad limbo and, uh, you know, we spent another three thirty five hundred dollars in trademark searches with our lawyer, and then I was just going through my phone for pictures for inspiration because that, you know, sometimes helps just get your mind going. Yeah. Came across the picture of this of this goblet all shattered, and just you know texted everybody and said, "What if we called this the broke? What if we called it Broken Goblet Brewing?" And everybody liked it. Everybody liked the story, uh, the kind of the context behind the David versus Goliath. You know, uh, stories is, is very nice and, and will align people to your cause generally. Uh, and best of all, you know, when I checked with the lawyers after another thousand bucks, uh, <laughs> it was not taken in the public. So the broken goblet was born. Now, I have to, did you, uh, with the original merchandise and everything they have, now, if you didn't do this, this is just a, an idea for you, did you break all the glassware and then just sell them as broken goblets? <laughs> <laughs> That's a great, you know, it's funny. The only thing that we, we hadn't purchased at that time was glassware. We uh, had, we had. I think the biggest investment was in growlers. We had purchased, or we, you know, we had, we had commissioned, or whatever the right word is, uh, Hydro Flask, 64-ounce, double-walled, stainless wow. steel. Oh, wow. And they cost us about yeah. 40 bucks a piece, our cost, because um, we got them all etched. That was a huge, huge expense. Yeah. Um, and then there was the shirts. But then there's the stuff that you don't think about. There's, the, there's simply the time that the brand has been out in the marketplace mm -hmm. that you now have, you know, how do you capitalize on it? Or if you do, do you capitalize on it? The web hosting costs. The money that we spent on having a decent website put together. I mean, getting a good website is several thousand dollars. Um, so th there's just all of that, um, and and when and then when you put into it every single time our lawyer sent an email to their lawyer, it was three hundred bucks. Every phone call seemed like it was five hundred dollars. So you know, next thing you know, we're we're out twenty five grand, twenty two grand. I forget what the number was, wow. uh, and we had nothing to show for it. <laughs> wow. Well, I so mean, it was a tough pill to swallow. Yeah, I, I won't. I won't make it go down this road any further than because I can't imagine. Because I, I know it's like when you deal with lawyers, you get a little thing, and you're like, "What? Why did that cost me something?" And you start. I'll nitpicking. be honest with you. It was the it, that our name is better now. Yeah. So I I look at I look at it completely, uh, glass half full, um, or goblet half half full, if you will. <laughs> it was it's it. The name is much better. The story's much better. It, yeah. The the underdog uh, mentality has served us well. Uh, and, and ultimately, I respect them who will not be named. Uh, I respect them for their protection of their of their intellectual property. I, I totally do. My my beef with them and everybody's beef with them was how they how they handled the situation and how they had an opportunity 
to be a hero and not impact their bottom line. But what they chose to do was be really, really lousy um, in the correspondence. And so, you know, that's where it, 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 karma is, is uh, you know what. <laughs> and uh, I, am sh- I am sure that it will come back and get them at some point. Yeah, and I mean, it definitely speaks more to the desire that you guys have to get this up and running to do what you want to do as a business instead of having it to be, you know, because, I mean, starting you're basically starting a whole business over again. Like, yeah, you have a lot of the recipes there and stuff, but you're starting all over again. So it really speaks to you, des- your desire to do this as a career path and not just, because I mean, some people are starting to get into it as a way to cash even though they're, that's ridiculous. You, I'd like to meet them. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> so now, when you guys when you guys decided to do this, like, what was your background? Like, what got you into brewing? Like, was there a craft beer? Like, do, do you have anything to do with the brewing process? And like, in you know, I know you have two brewers, but do you have any input on that? Uh, so, multi multi tiered answer. The, the the real answer is that if you dislike your day job enough, you you will find something that you'd really really like to do. Uh, and the four the four owners come from very very very, very different backgrounds. We all still have day jobs in full disclosure uh, because, you know, to that last point about cashing in, yeah. I mean, <laughs> if people think that you make that you make a million dollars instantly owning a brewery, um, even a, even one ten times the size of ours, it's just simply not the case. Mm-hmm. Um, you really have to work at it, and, and we, we believe that it's a two- to three-year process before you finally start making any money, as little as it may be, because all you're doing is paying your employees and, and Putting it, putting more into the infrastructure and and, and equipment wise. So, um, but it was it was really a day job thing. I I come from a sales and marketing background. The other uh, one of the other owners uh, ran a small business himself for about ten years. So he uh, he understands taxes. Um, you know how to run the front end of a business, and then the other two guys. Although not you know not professionally trained brewers, were both home brewers um, and quite good ones. And so, uh, but the one of them is is an engineer, really understands sort of the mecha- sort of the mechanics of the brew system, from, you know, right from the jump. And then the fourth guy, who's also a brewer, is uh, a cabinet maker, carpenter, master carpenter. So he, you know, if if, it, if something can be made out of wood. It is made out of wood, and he does it, which saves us immense. You know, you guys saw the the bar that we have in our yeah. our tap room, and that was made by him from scratch. You know, wow. so things like that that would cost somebody twenty grand. You know, he did it for with cost of time and and a little bit of material. So, great combination of uh, skill sets that we put to use. But you know, the final answer to your question is, I do not have anything to do with the brew process, and neither does Jay, the front end guy. All we do, we know what we like, we know what we don't like. We actually both have really good. Um, palettes for off flavors yeah. so we're told so you know they'll brew something and we'll just say like it don't like it like it but it's got you know this and uh you know what would it be like if we did that um and and we leave the rest of the the heavy lifting brew wise up to those guys and, and then return they leave the marketing to me and they leave the running of the business to jay no, oh, and that's a smart. We were talking about that before we started the interview. It's a smart uh, business idea to kind of go with that, with those four different viewpoints, and not as much overlap, but having an understanding of what each one does helps you push everything forward and get these ideas you guys are doing, which is awesome. To because I, I thought you were actually from 2013. I realized like you guys are just going over a year, which is incredible because you have a lot of things building up for yourself, which is awesome. Now, which yeah. leads to the next question: Why did you guys choose like Bristol? Like, I mean, I would assume there's some challenges like being that close to Philly. Like, that's just such a big beer nut yeah um great question uh why bristol was you know at at some point you you really have to 
pick your location best on based on uh, the space that you find, right? Mm-hmm. So we we originally were were looking at a at a really unique building in Bristol, uh, where one of the owners owned a, a, a music production studio. Uh, it turns out that that ended up not working out, sort of at the eleventh hour, and we we happened upon this place that you guys visited, which is in an industrial park, which is becoming more normal than 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 not for for breweries. Um, the 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 Bucks County relationship to Philadelphia for for your listeners the Bucks County is sort of a suburb of uh, a mixed suburb of lots of affluent people and lots of uh, you know non affluent people mm-hmm. uh, outside of Philadelphia but it it certainly has become a a mecca for beer right outside of Philadelphia in fact I would argue that Bucks County has better beer than Center City Philadelphia ever did or ever will. Um, and it's being driven by some some really amazing breweries that have been around for a couple years. Um, of note, specifically, you know, you've got uh, Victory, which I'm sure everybody's heard of. Yeah. Uh, you've got Neshaminy Creek, uh, which if you haven't heard of, you're 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 missing out. Yeah. No, we we um, had them on the show actually previously, so we, we are we are familiar. Yeah. So the, so so and I mean and, and not, that's just two of the bigger ones. Yeah. Um, so so we we liked the idea of going into Bucks from the get go because we feel that in the brewing industry, a high tide will float all ships. Mm-hmm. Um, to use a bad business cliche, but a, but a true one. Yeah. And so it, it, it has worked out for us where we, where we were in a position of differentiation is if we're going to open small, which we did, you know, what are we going to do in bucks? that's going to be different than everybody else. Or are we just going to be another brewery? And so as you guys witnessed, we're, we're trying to, we're, we're a very event focused brewery. Um, and we're trying really hard to differentiate ourselves, not only with more eclectic brews, but also uh, with um, doing events and music and whatnot that, that, that you don't normally find at a brewery. So well, sort of changing that perspective. Let's get into some of these beers. because we, we have right now in our glass uh, Bubba's Tea Bag. So first, what's the, uh, the idea behind the name with this one? Well, it's as dirty as you as you want it to be. Um, that's, so oh, that's no, even uh, better than no I was hoping. Entendre here. Literally, it's uh, <laughs> it's a beer that Bubba ideated and, and came up with, uh, brewing beer with tea. Um, you know, we thought it was hilarious the whole concept of a tea bag. Um, you know, exactly what it, what you think it is. Uh, so we ran with it. We we're actually a little nervous when we when we rolled that out. And this beer is almost three to four years old. This recipe. So when we rolled this out as a club, I was a little concerned that people. We're going to be, you know, insulted. But I clearly, clearly misjudged, you know, the culture of beer as it is now, oh, which yeah. is a lot more fun. Oh, we uh, love our I, puns. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, so people loved it, and uh, you know, we've got variations of it that are all equally dirty. And um, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a real, real unique beer. Our mo- it's definitely our most popular beer that we do, and and the reason why we do so many beers with tea is because of Bubba's Tea Bay. Now, is this available year round for you guys? Then it is. And how, how often do you do the variants on this one? Uh, we got a couple sours, um, and then we, we really do the variances as one-offs um, with that particular beer. The sours are going to be something we will do every year. Um, and then, you know, like I said, the, the other variants might people throw it in a firkin, um, or we'll add some additional, uh, we'll add another kind of fragment of tea into it, um, give it give it another fruit note Um but but the, the the version that you guys are drinking is the 2015 version, and then what we think we're going to be doing every year is is uh, doing a, a sort of a contest uh, where our 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 patrons choose from first six and then three different teas that go into that base beer. So by the end of this 
particular process of two weeks that they have chosen the Bubba's tea bag for that year. Wow. Um, and we do that because the tea we use a lot of times gets discontinued. Uh-huh. So we were, you know, we've got to try to figure out a way to, to make it fresh every year. And it was a really cool thing, and it, and it brought a ton of people out because they got to be a part of something that, you know, ultimately they could come in nine months later and be like, I, I you know, yeah. I chose this tea. I like this. Or, or I wish they had gone with the other one. Yeah. <laughs> now, so I can't uh, wait till next year. A quick out of left, out of left field question. Um, the, uh, what is it? The diuresis E on your logo. Is there like a story behind that, or is it just because of the pronunciation of broken and goblet? No, it has nothing to do with, with anything. It has to do with the old name. The, okay. The, the sticker. The sticker was had an E with two dots over it. It was sort of a... That's what I I thought maybe it was an homage or maybe some leftover merch thing. I'm not quite sure. (laughs) No, what it is is that, again, because I come from from a background of marketing, you know, one of the most important things is is that brand. So if you see the Nike swoosh, you know it's Nike. If you see, uh, you know, the the Pepsi logo, you know it's Pepsi. So it, it, not that I'm comparing us to those guys at all, but it's just a human, it's a human nature thing that, that you will recall you can recall a deeper brand based on a simple mark. Yeah, and, and that's so why that I was e, asking, just because it, yeah. it, it stuck out to me. And you, and you don't have to say it, Mike. We'll say it. We're, we as people are stupid. We, we need something <laughs> really simple, and just a picture usually works pretty well for us. Yeah, so the E with the dots, is, is, yeah. it's nothing, it has nothing to do with the name. It's just what was on the Broken Goblet. Okay. So now, as we're wrapping this up, what about like future play? You guys plan on getting into to doing more bottling and stuff? I know you have a lot of stuff that's more on tap, but I mean, did you are getting into to bottling? Yeah, we're, you know, we hand bottle stuff right now, um, bombers. Uh, we will get a canning line when our expansion is finalized that, that we're looking to finish up uh, by spring of, of 2016, going to the 10-barrel system. Um, a lot more dramatic uh, production possibilities there. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, we'll continue to bottle uh, the bombers and, uh, and then, look, you know, look to put that canning line in. I think that, that, that while people do love the bottles and the bombers, um, you know, it's a bottling line is expensive. So if we're going to continue to do it, we're going to continue to do it in small run because we're doing it by hand with a okay. beer gun and, and we're hand labeling. And it's just something that we've got accustomed to doing. Of course, the market could change and, we, you know, you could see us. <laughs> who knows what's going to yeah. happen in a year. But I'm just my prediction would be uh, we're going to try to cut costs wherever we possibly can. Um, because you can trip and fall and spend a hundred grand in a brewery. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> well, Mike, we would definitely appreciate you giving us a call, uh, talking about me and giving us a lot of real good insight on what you guys are doing, which is awesome. And congratulations on everything and wish you guys all the best. And I'm sure we'll be down again at some point to, to visit and see what's going on and have some more of these beers. It was my pleasure, guys. It was great to meet you. Sorry you had to deal with all that zaniness that oh, day. No. Uh, but, uh, but it was, uh, it was awesome that you, you, you took the time to talk to a little brewery like us and we'd oh. love to be back. We'll definitely have you back. Thanks so much, Mike. Enjoy your vacation, bud. Thanks, fellas. Cheers. We'll talk to you. Cheers. Cheers. So that's given some uh, real insight into what's going on at a, at a brewery that's you know coming up and going. I mean, you really know what's. It's not yeah. easy. Basically, yeah. I mean, that's the summation of all of this. It's, it's not an easy route for anybody to get into, despite how big this this uh, segment of the industry is growing. It's not a way to cash in and make a lot of money. It, it's a lot of hard work, a yeah. lot of long hours, but it's love and passion that gets you going. Like you said, they all have, you know, regular jobs still yeah. going and stuff like that, but don't feel too bad for him because he is on vacation in that Florida. That is true. <laughs> <laughs> I take it all back. All right, so we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back with some more drinks, uh, more beers to drink here on Beer Geeks Radio Hour, WLK. Built for business. 
When you run a small business, your day doesn't end at 5. It ends when the job is done. Manage inventory, process orders, pay bills, check your website. Every day, the to-do list gets longer and longer. Comcast Business understands that. That's why they offer the no-glitch switch. It's the quick, easy way to improve your business's internet. Installation takes about an hour, and if they're not on time, you get a $20 credit. They offer appointments at night or on weekends, so it won't interfere with your business. And if you're not 100% satisfied, you have 30 days to get your money back. You don't have to put up with slow downloads or emails that won't send. Just remember the no-glitch switch from Comcast Business. And cross switch to better internet off your to-do list. Make the no-glitch switch. Call 800-501-6000 or visit ComcastBusiness.com. Comcast Business. Built for business. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. One-hour install applies to standard installation of one outlet. Money-back guarantee does not apply to Ethernet or hospitality services. It's the kickoff sell-off at Dixon City Hyundai. 2016 Elantra SE lease for only $119 per month. And with rebates up to $3,750. Own it for only $14,990. We have over 100 in stock. 2015 Hyundai Sonata SE lease for only $139 per month. Or buy with 0% APR for 72 months and $2,000 rebate. It's finally here. The all-new redesigned 2016 Hyundai Tucson. $239 per month. Over $50 to choose from. Save up to $7,000 off select new Hyundais. We have the largest Hyundai inventory in Northeast PA. And Zero Down delivers on all new 2015 Hyundais. And America's best warranty, 10 years, 100,000 mile, limited powertrain, and Hyundai Assurance. Dixon City Hyundai 81 to exit 191A, just past the Viewmont Mall on the left. For details, visit DixonCityHyundai.com or call 1-800-HYUNDAI. With $29.99 down, includes loyalty rebate of $500, three-year lease, 10K miles per year, plus tax and tags, and up to $7,000 off new Hyundais on select models. 2015 Sonata Hybrid, 0% financing up to 72 months on select models. 2015 Sonata Hybrid. Well, I just got my new smartphone. So, what do you got? to download next? As soon as I turn it on. So what's next? Well, I can't wait. For what? Next. The app you're going to download. Next. The downloadable app. Next. What is it? It's a big hit. The app you downloaded. Yes. It's next. The one and only. I don't even know what I'm saying. <laughs> Look, when you go to the app store. Yes. And you click on the next app. You bet I will. The next app. Why not? It's got everything I need. The app that's next. The next app. That's what I'm saying. Oh, no, you're saying the app that's next. What are you the next app. The next app? Every bit of it. I don't even know what it is. The next radio app with free built-in FM receiver on your smartphone. Listen and interact with your local station, even enter contests. And with the next radio app, you get three times less drain on your battery and 20 times less data usage. Download the next radio app today. Next radio. After a nice interview, love getting real insight, you know, what it's like on the uh, the front lines of everything. You know, we've talked to some, like, you know, we've had Tony McGee on here, Jim Cook from Sam. You know, they're, they're at a totally different level with it, and it's kind of hard for them to remember, you know, that far back. Yeah. Um, but it's nice to just to see, like, you know, what they're going through. Starting in July 2014 to where they are now already, I mean, it's like there's definitely a lot of cool things coming from them, and they're already making some great beers, which that's first and foremost most important. Breweries in general, I mean, it, it, there's so much good beer out there. Everybody from, yeah. tends to get a little bit, you know, focus on specific brands or specific, you know, breweries and, you know, just less than two hours away. Like you said, there's all three great breweries yeah. just within like a hop, skip, and a jump in each yeah, other. And so it's a nice little day trip. For when he mentioned, yeah, like Neshaminy Creek, like we, George and I had stopped down there when we were down there. That's five minutes from the brewery, yeah, maybe? It's, it's 
a little less than two miles away. Yeah. I mean, it was like all right there, and like that's another really awesome up and coming brewery that you know we've had on here, and their their beers are killer. And it's like just all of that, and it's another thing showing. You know, we've talked about it on here before the other breweries and everything that there's this lot of uh, camaraderie in the the local community for where these breweries are coming up together. It's not a competition for tap handles; like they're trying to work with one another and help each other grow because that's how. Because really, what the competition isn't amongst craft breweries; it's craft breweries against the large breweries. So they're all willing to help one another grow as they're going through this. I mean, like, yeah, is that going to change over time? Of course, it's business. Yeah. But right now, it's it's much more along those lines. Everyone trying to help one another because it, that's what it is. That that's that's the main competition. It's so it's so opposite of the way things normally are from the aspect of camaraderie, like everybody banding together, to the point where it, it, beer is getting so big, it's becoming smaller. It's yeah. like you're getting all these small breweries opening up in each little town, so you have their their flourishing where and other businesses the bigger uh, yeah. industry gets the small guy gets crushed it's the exact opposite so yeah yeah no then that's what's awesome to see and just having that i mean the fact that where they are like as they're growing it's awesome too now they're already going through getting ready for an expansion to, to start and like that's really great news and as they get that going you're gonna start to see them popping up a lot more i have no doubts because this is gonna be one of those breweries that people trying it are just really impressed with what they're doing and uh we're impressed with the one we have right now we have a nice what is it again I, i'm bad with the names it's a saison yeah, it's the broken, batch saison. Broken, broken batch, batch saison. There you go. Broken batch saison. Uh, 6.7% ABV. Really nice, like, easy drinking saison, but it's got a real nice body to it. Nice spiciness to it. Nice little, like, um, Belgian yeast stands out like craziness. Yeah. Nice spiciness, a bit of fruitiness, nice pepperiness, almost like coriander-like. Really, really, really good. This is like a super refreshing saison. Oh, like, this yeah. is definitely one that I would love on a hot day. Oh yeah, but it's just the the body on this is really nice too. It's not it's not overly crisp because like some saisons you get really highly carbonated and like the the yeast is front and center, but it doesn't all gel well. And like you, you kind of want to have a good amount of carbonation just to have that refreshing quality, but not overdone where it's like you know soda or something. Yeah, and it's it's a little bit closer to a, a traditional ABV levels. It's still a little bit higher, but it's not yeah. up there in the yeah, eight, nine range. Yeah. yeah, that's the other thing we we see a lot of American breweries are taking on styles to kind of start to uh, beef it up even though it doesn't necessarily need to be. Yeah. <laughs> Especially the saison cuz that, that's traditionally a very nice super easy drinking beer. And this definitely falls in line which is also a testament to them I mean, like just what we've had so far on the show today starting out with a cream ale a pale ale that has tea bags added into it. Now we're getting into a Saison, and then we're going to be finishing off with an oatmeal stout. And everything's been killer all over the place because sometimes you'll see a brewery hone in, especially in the early days. Like, that's what's more impressive than anything is usually in the early days a brewery will key in on doing, you know, English styles or Belgian styles or German and then kind of off-branch from there. But they're kind of just going at it all over right off the bat. And that's, you know, a really cool thing. They're doing well with it. And uh, clean is the name of the game. It's not, you know, it's like a lot of breweries, they'll try to experiment and sometimes get a bit of off flavors. You're not really getting that with anything yeah. out of all their beers, which is pretty, pretty yeah, nice. Yeah, then you could tell they're another brewery that really focuses on balance, like being the key. And that really is always key, as you're, especially as you're a growing brewery. Like, yeah, you, you want to kind of get known for something, get like a beer. Like, and some breweries we'll see that'll be known for making a beer and nobody really knows anything else that they do because they kind of put it all all their eggs into that basket and then went out there with it and that was all they're really known for and it's kind of a struggle for them to showcase anything else at the brewery because people are just so on top of trying to get this one whale that we love to, to call them and then they kind of just 
fall by the wayside for a lot of people because there's nothing else to offer. They're like kind of become this one trick pony. Yeah. And then you don't want to have that. You just want to be known for making really nice balanced beers that have some experimentation. And that's exactly what Broken Goblet's doing. Yeah. I mean, the whole, the whole like uh, focus on one style thing is, is across the board. I don't want to say epidemic or whatever you want to call it, but it's like, you know, there's all these breweries out there you have, like, you know, you're, 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 there's always great beer to be found beyond those. You have, like, yeah. founders that are like, KBS, well, f- honestly, for me, I prefer Backwoods over KBS, you know what I mean? And then there's a lot of breweries. go by just the hype. Yeah, and there's a lot of people focus on one, and then, but there's so many great other offerings, they tend to get a little more, again, blinders on and just focus on one style, so. Yeah, and that, that's really what is a detriment to some some breweries because, you know, they become known for it. Some of them relish in it and love to push that, and that's really what they get out there for, and they're completely content with that. Yeah. And that's fine. That, that's not who we're talking about. We're talking about the ones that unfortunately get lumped into that, and then, you know, they have a wide portfolio, and sometimes it's not their fault. Like, that just happens to be the one that became the big beer for them. Like, you know, for example, Russian River. They make some of the best sour beers you're ever going to have, but the average person, you know, tiny. That's it. Yeah. They don't. They don't even know anything else exists from that brewery, which is a shame. But it's like that's what winds up happening. That's not their fault at all. If anything, they're a brewery that is trying to kind of pull away from that by like not allowing that to go out as much and distribute as much. But it's still that's just. Then you have breweries like the Alchemist. He's like, I'm just going to make two beers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's it. And I just make two because I got tired of making one. Um, no, not that it doesn't make more than one beer, yeah, but it's just like, you know, being comfortable with making one thing great, uh, great that's cool. But I, I would find that to be a little bit, I don't know. It would make me anxious. Yeah. I would get really bored like, after a while. Yeah. Like, this is it again. This, like, th- it's like, I don't know. I, that's, it's got to be this really weird game in this because you want to have, you know, it's where that whole argument comes in is, is brewing art or science. Yeah. And then you kind of have to have that play where it's it's basically both. And you kind of have to tickle both parts of that brain all the time to keep yourself interested in doing it. And that's why I can't see doing the same things over and over and over again that you wouldn't like just that part of your brain just shrivels up and dies and you're just a you know robot basically just dumping the same things over and over. I won't go that far. I, I would love to be a robot, but <laughs> that's just me. Synchronicity is going to happen, my friend. Yeah. Uh, so we are now having the Yin Yang Oatmeal Stout. 6.7% oatmeal stout. Really nice. Like, I love just, like, the touch of bitterness in this and the chocolate. And it's, like, it's got this really wonderful, nice, dry kind of stout, but also the sweetness coming through. I mean, I don't know if that's what they're going for with the and the yang, but it just has that really nice play back and forth on both of those things where it's not just a standard dry oatmeal stout, which I love, but it has, like, notes of, like, chocolate and caramel and stuff, too, which make it really nice and they have this sweet quality coming through. And 6.7%, this kind of drinks more like an oatmeal stout, like a really light oatmeal stout, but it has just a, a really nice flavor portfolio coming through and just a lot of different things happening in this. And all at 6.7, too, which is really impressive. Like, it, it drinks more like a light stout, but then at the same time, the flavors kind of almost make you think it's a bigger one. Yeah, nice chocolate in there. A little like subtle roasty toasty choc- uh, chocolate <laughs> coffee. Um, yeah, it's it's a it's a nice beer. Definitely drinks. What, what's the ABV on it? Six point seven. Yeah, I mean it drinks nice. Or seven, this one says seven point one. So oh well. Yeah. I don't know. I went by one. Somebody's of their, lying. You know, one of the one of the yeah. things is off. Anyway, close enough. There, yeah. You know what I mean. Um, but yeah, it's 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 a really well done stout. Um, it's something you can session out almost. I mean the ABV doesn't make it sessionable, yeah. but it's something you can drink a lot yeah. of and not kind of get blown. 
blown it, out. It's not over. That's what we see with a lot of stouts, when, especially when they're starting to put chocolate in it. People, because that's, you know, again, going back to us having stupid lizard brains. When something is put on the label, that's what we want to taste. So if you're going to say there's any chocolate in there, well, I better taste chocolate. And if I don't, then this is garbage. Like, that's, unfortunately... Here's a little behind-the-scenes look at the beer review sites. That's how they work, people. <laughs> That's how people are. And if it says it on there, if they don't fully get it, then it's garbage. And even though it's not garbage... That's how people are, because uh, we're simple and stupid. I'm including myself in that. So oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I actually subscribe to that. Not so much that not if it's in the name, I want it there, because you put it in the name. Yeah. You know what I mean? If you're going to say something, and not so much chocolate, because you can even make a, a, a stout or an imperial stout, a Russian imperial stout, and not put chocolate, and you're still going to get chocolate notes from yeah. it. But if somebody's going to go over the top and put all these kind of weird adjuncty things and be like, hey, you're going to get this it and this It should be this. there, but, but I feel like people want it like overly. Yeah, they want to crack through the, the Yeah, they, they don't want to yeah. have to, to dig for it. They want it yeah. to be like, oh, it says chocolate's in there. All right, so it just should be taste like chocolate milk, and that's it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't taste like that. I don't want it. This is, this mm-hmm. is garbage. And so that's that's not necessarily how it should work. Like, yeah, if you're putting something's in there, you, it damn well better have some taste of it. Otherwise, why would you even? Because I mean, obviously, you would know. Cause, I mean, we've all had beers like that where people oh, yeah. say something's in there. And it's like that's not there. Like, we're even. It's just some fancy guys going. Eh, you know what the kids like these days? <laughs> just throwing something. I don't, <laughs> I don't know the kids. You know those whippersnappers. Yeah, they're they're always out there drinking the stuff. But uh, no, I mean it, it's been awesome. Like they're a really great brewery. Um, I was happy to be able to go down and definitely get. Down down there again to visit them, uh, but it's really cool that they're going to go through an expansion already and getting into all this stuff and you know, get more of their beers out there. And I love everything they're doing. It's cool. Their, their artwork's cool. If you get on their website, uh, it's brokengoblet.com, two very easy words to spell out. And uh, definitely get down there and visit. I'm going to get to their hours for you because it's definitely worth a, a trip down there because I mean, it's not far. Uh, Wednesday, Thursday, 6 to 11. Friday, 3 to 12. That's not bad. Saturday, 2 to 12. And Sundays, 12 to 5. Like I said, from from right in our area, it's around a two-hour trip, not even really depending on where you're at. Uh, definitely worth getting down there. A lot of great things, and there's a lot of other cool breweries down there, too, so you can make a nice little day trip out of it, visiting all these places, get some good food down there, too, and do it all upright and stay right here in Pennsylvania. That's what, uh, that's what we all want to do. Keep it local, baby. Uh, but uh, next week, we're going to take a trip outside of Pennsylvania. We're going to head over to Matt's old stomping grounds in Jersey. The Jersey. It's like it's like Canada's like uh, America's stop at. Jersey's like uh, Jersey's like uh, Pennsylvania's fanny pack. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard. Somebody. I just made it up right now. Right? <laughs> it's a sweet fanny this, pack. You know, and this show is free, everybody. You get that kind of wisdom. <laughs> so we're going to have Kane Brewing on next week. And we have Michael Kane, owner of Kane Brewing, on next week. And we're going to go out to visit them before we're there so love a lot to report on but till then keep on drinking we'll see you next week everybody cheers cheers cheers